Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting-edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Why do so many businesses struggle while others seem to explode overnight? Do you wish you had the secret to this type of exponential growth? Now, I've scaled more than 20 businesses to over $100 million, and it's not just luck. In my new book with Mark Tim, Mentor to Millions, you'll learn the repeatable framework I use in all my business ventures for massive success. Order at KevinMentor.com and get over $1,000 in bonuses. Head to KevinMentor.com. Ross is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, OSJ, 3664 Coolidge Court, Tallahassee, Florida, 32311. 850-562-9075. Securities, products, and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. California Insurance License Number 0L10073, Arkansas Insurance License Number 16139032, 2021-121365, Expiration 523. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Sharkpreneur Podcast is not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS, Guardian, or North Florida Financial. And opinions stated are there. Welcome own. to the podcast. This is Seth Green. Today I have the great fortune to be interviewing Ross Brannan, uh, financial advisor and expert, in my opinion, in serving dentists, dental professionals, and other folks in the dental related industries. Ross, thanks so much for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Now, let's go back in time a little bit. You took kind of an interesting path into the financial services industry. How did you get started? Yeah, that, that's uh, it, it is interesting. So out of college, I kind of fell into real estate. Um, I had some. I had a friend who said, hey, let's buy, buy a rental property. Uh, uh, back then, you didn't really need a whole lot to buy real estate. So uh, Hence the reasons everything went to South South a few years later. So we started buying real estate and, and we did pretty well. And because of that, it kind of evolved into becoming a real estate agent. I ended up being pretty good at that. But if you've ever met anyone who's a real estate agent, I would submit the quality of life's not that good. Uh, you work kind of seven days a week, your phone's always ringing and, and it's challenging. I got, I got burned out and um, I had been a client of, of the of the firm I worked for uh, several years earlier and I was always financially minded and uh, in some conversations with them it kind of came up and they're like well hey why don't you come work for us and one thing led to another so that is a fantastic story and I know the longer version will be in uh, the book that you're working on so you started out in real estate and 
I apologize. In residential feel estate, you had to deal with open houses. You had to deal with driving people around to look at houses. I mean, I felt bad. My kids saw our real estate agent so much, they called her Aunt Carol, even though we weren't related, because my wife looked at like 53 houses before she picked one. I stopped going and said, listen, I can't take it anymore. When you find a house you're ready to buy, let me know and I'll come look at it. Here's a dirty little secret of real estate. Uh, the most successful real estate agents are the listing agents because they control the inventory and they don't have to take people around to show the houses. That's the dirty little secret in real estate. Yes. So you were successful at that. You were investing your money. You were doing well. And then the financial firm that you were, that was your investment firm liked you so much that they offered you a job. Congratulations. How did you start working in the, with dentists and in the dental industry? Oh, it's a great question. So as you know, uh, you've probably heard, because it doesn't matter what industry you're in, uh, there are riches in niches. And so when you start in any industry, you're probably um, going after anybody with a pulse, whether, whether, whether you're a real estate agent, whether you're a financial advisor, whether you're a print shop. What happened is I ended up kind of starting to work with physicians uh, a lot, specifically emergency room physicians. One of them was a brother of a good friend of mine, fresh out of residency. And then I had an old friend who was an orthodontist because uh, I, I first started kind of focusing on physicians. And then I started, I, I met an orthodontist. It was an old friend reconnected. Uh, he became a client. And then of course, all the, the orthodontists had a bunch of dentist friends. And I realized very quickly that a, a, a dentist who owns his own practice is a small business owner. And small business owners tend to be some of the more successful people financially, but also have a lot of moving parts and need help with competent professionals. And I really liked it. I liked working with them. And so that, it, once I liked it, I was like, okay, I'm focusing here. So that's what I started doing. All right. So you started out getting referred and meeting folks, dentist, orthodontist, periodontist, all the folks in the industry. You noticed um, that they had a unique set of needs. Yes, they're business owners, but they're in a specific sub-niche of owning a business and then it's a professional practice and it's in the dental industry. You talk about the five critical areas that may affect those professionals, the dentists, the orthodontists, the periodontists, their financial planning and their retirement. We don't have time in this interview to go into all five. And obviously we'll direct our folks to watch the training webinar you have that educates them in depth on all five. But let's talk about one or two of them one of them is to make sure they're not an easy target for lawsuits that could completely vaporize their savings. Let's talk about what might one of those dentists or orthodontists be sued for, and then don't give away the secret sauce, but how do they protect themselves and how do you help them do that? Well, a lot of dentists wear scrubs, just like physician wear scrubs. So you wear scrubs to work. I mean, I don't know about you, Seth. I know we're not supposed to text and drive. I know we're not supposed to pick up our phone or look at our notifications when we drive, but I've yet to find anyone who doesn't do it. Um, and we feel guilty when we do it. So these things ring, ding, and buzz. We take our eyes off the road. If we get in an accident and we're at fault, which by the way, it's happened to me before. I'm sure it's happened to a lot of people. Um, we're at target for a lawsuit. I, I know numerous people who have people have tried to take advantage of just, oh, my back's hurt, my neck's hurt. And they call, you know, in Florida, 1-800-411-PAIN. Uh, and next thing you know, you have a lawsuit. Um, it, it's just pretty bad nationwide. It's really bad 
in the Southeast. Um, and so, you know, if you're wearing scrubs, I don't care how much money you make, they think you make neurosurgeon money. If you don't have the, the right property and casualty coverage set up or the right ownership of your vehicles, you could be in trouble. That's something uh, that I make sure it's the first, one of the first things I talk about with clients. We've got to make sure our assets are owned correctly. And in different states, that means different things. And, um, and make sure our liability coverage is, is, uh, is up to snuff. And, and quite frankly, probably 80% of the time it's not. Whether we're wearing scrubs or a white coat and a suit and tie, um, if there's an MD or a DMD or something, letters after our name, people view us as a target is a potential lottery ticket. Ooh, I can sue this guy and get a bunch of money. Obviously the Southeast, Florida especially, is incredibly plaintiff lawsuit happy. So we've got to make sure that our, our assets are owned by the right legal structure. We've got to make sure that we have the right, whether it's property and casualty, umbrella, all kinds of protection, marital practice insurance, E&O, all of that stuff in place so that that plaintiff's lawyer goes, oh, there's no point in suing this guy. There's no point in suing this dentist because everything's protected and you're not going to get any money. So I think that makes a whole lot of sense. Um, again, we don't have time to go over all five. Let's briefly just touch on um, another one, how you work with folks. I know you're not an accountant, but you do advocate that they should pay the minimum tax legally possible so that they keep more of their money. Yeah, so I'm a big proponent of cash flow. And I like to say uh, that one could argue that it's very likely that the highest rate of return you could get would be a dollar recaptured from the IRS. And, and so if, if I'm paying, you know, a 25% effective rate, but I can now pay a 19% effective rate, then, uh, then that, that's critical. So like, I'm not a CPA. Uh, I know enough to be dangerous. I am not licensed to be a CPA. I'm not licensed to give tax advice, but you know, I, I work with certain accountants who who are CPAs and who are licensed to give tax advice, and and I've got a handful that I work with, and many of them do what we call tax planning. Unfortunately, in my experience, most CPAs are what we call history reporters. You tell them what you did in 2020, they fill in the numbers on the box on April 15th or this year May 17th, and say, hey. IRS, here's the deal, John Doe owes you or you owe John Doe X amount of dollars. When you start talking to CPAs who think outside the box, and then uh, that tends to open up some opportunities for uh, a small business owner because most, uh, most of the clients that most CPAs have are W-2 employees. And if you're a W-2 employee, you really have a, you're really limited in what you can deduct. It's, you know, like a qualified plan contribution, um, a charitable donation, your mortgage interest, a couple of things, a couple of small things else. And that's about it. So you're really, you're really, you're really, it's really challenging. If you're a small business owner, there's things you can do that I've seen CPAs do for people that are, that just require outside the box thinking. So you want to work with a, a CPA that does tax planning. And like I said, I don't do tax planning, but I know the guys who do and make sure I, uh, I, I tell my clients that here's a couple of CPAs who do tax planning, see which one makes, it, makes sense for you to talk to them. That makes a lot of sense because I like your idea of almost counting it as a rate of return because if I owe $10,000, you know, $100,000 to the IRS, 
And all of a sudden now through this forward tax planning that you're recommending and referring to other professionals to help them with that you're spotting, if instead of owing $100,000, now I owe $75,000, that 25 grand isn't gross, it's net, it goes straight back to my bottom line. So I have experienced this myself. I went through seven different accountants, six of whom were history reporters and said, yes, this is what happened. This is what you owe, too bad, best of luck. And it took until my seventh accountant to find someone who said, no, 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 no. Let's look at what you're doing, not at the end of the year. Let's look at it every month and talk about what you need to change so that you pay less legally in taxes and literally had my own tax bill cut in half. So I not didn't use your accountants, but I've used others who finally were forward tax planners and were actively trying to reduce your taxes, which is what I think they should all do. So I agree with that 100%. What do you like best about working with dentists and folks in the dental industry? It's interesting. You know, I've got five kids. You have three kids. Uh, I call them professional money eaters. <laughs> uh, um, life is expensive. And so there, there takes a certain level of income uh, to, to be able to, to do things beyond pay the bills. You know, $100,000 in 2021 is not what $100,000 was in 2001. Inflation is real. So dentists, uh, and specifically dentists who are in our practice, tend to have the disposable income to deploy in places that, that they can, where the money can grow and set them up for a good retirement. Uh, and so it's hard to do financial planning when people are living check to check, as you know. And, and so if you've got people with disposable income who you can you know, help them to uh, allocate those resources to places that are most advantageous for them over the long haul, that's a lot of fun. And I like complexity. There's a lot of moving parts in a practice and there's a lot of things you can talk about in those situations. What is it? Why do you think, I mean, dentists go through and dental industry professionals go through a ton of advanced training um, and arguably dental school can be more challenging to get into than medical school. They have an amazing skill set. Why do you think they get themselves into financial trouble? Why doesn't that knowledge of um, root canal or teeth movement translate into money movement. Do you want the unfiltered truth? Yes. Because I've, I've told some dentists this and they agree, but some of them wouldn't want to hear it. Physicians and dentists go to school, let's call it 10 years. The average person goes to school for four years. So many after high school, they are an expert and they know a lot about teeth, teeth movement, or if you're, you know, a physician, whatever your specialty is. Some people get cocky and they think because they went to school for 10 or 12 years, they know everything about everything. No, you just know almost everything about one subject. And in medical school or dental school, they don't talk about finance. In college, there's very little talk about finance. I was a finance major and the most I really learned was some basic accounting principles. And in high school, there's no fi personal finance talk. So very, we're, we're pretty ignorant as a country on personal finance and if you think you're smart because you went to school for a long time and you make a lot of money there might be a little bit of hubris that kicks in that's where a lot of mistakes get made but if someone is coachable and realizing hey i know everything there is to know about teeth but i may not know everything there is to know about x y or z then that, that, that's that's a good situation to be in i like to work with people who are coachable i don't know everything but I do have relationships and contacts 
with people who do know a lot more than me. So if I don't know the answer, I can find the answer. Um, and so that, that's, that's kind of what I've seen out there. That makes a lot of sense. I know that in addition to your own book coming out shortly, you are also a voracious consumer of content. What are some of the favorite books you've read that have impacted your life and your career? Okay, so this is a non-finance book. It's a book that I just read, and it really, really, really kind of knocked me off my rocker. It's called Breath. In fact, I may have told you about it. Uh, it's a yellow book. Let me just look up and see who the author is real quick. Yeah, by uh, James Nestor, Breath. Uh, very interesting book, which then got me onto the book I'm reading now. is about Wim Hof, who is a crazy Scandinavian guy who ran a marathon in the Arctic barefoot with no shirt on. And then he ran a marathon in like sub-Saharan Africa without drinking any water. And he says it all goes, it's all because he breathes the way we're supposed to breathe. So it's really, really, really fascinating. Um, you know, I, I like, I'm kind of in a non-finance phase right now with my books. You know, I mean, you can always, you know, The Richest Man in Babylon is a, is a classic yep. that, you know, everyone should read. Everyone should have their child read. Um, the uh, Cash Flow Quadrant by Robert Kiyosaki is an all-time classic. I'm having my daughter read that. But, uh, I mean, those, those, are, those, are, those are four books right there that are, are really good. Awesome. Great recommendations. For our folks who are watching or listening and want to learn more about you and the work that you're doing, where is the best? We'll put um, a link to all of your resources in the show notes. Um, anything else you want to share that I didn't think to ask you? No, I think that's good. I mean, you, you kind of hit all areas. You know, well, actually, let me just say this real quick. Um, you know, one of the most important things that I see, um, you know, we talked about, you know, lawsuit and, and, and taxes, but cash flow, you know, managing cash flow. Uh, I have seen that the rate of income saved is more important than the rate of return gotten on that money. Now, rate of return is absolutely critical, but I find few people are really good at managing cash flow. If you can manage cash flow, uh, and that's obviously one of the things I help people out with a lot. That that goes a long way. All right. Well, great recommendations. Amazing story. Great business model. And love that you're making such a difference in the industry. This has been Seth Green with Ross Brandon. Ross, thanks again for joining us. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for watching or listening. We'll see you next time. Do you need money to fund your idea, product, or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free perfect pitch cheat sheet. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.